Hey, hey, hey. What's going on? Good to have you back on a Tuesday. The 13th, is it? It's the 13th of June. Can you imagine that? Can you really, can you conceive of this? Of this date in time? 6, 13, 23. And here we are for our 7 o'clock engagement on quitefrankly.tv, on YouTube, on DLive, on Twitch, on Twitter, on Rumble, on Rockfin, and hopefully many more once we get this, uh, we always expand beyond what we can handle and then we, uh, we run into some issues and we have to contract a little bit to regain stability, but we want to keep expanding. I definitely want to do things like Roku, got to get Roku all settled. But don't worry, there's a, a whole new whole new chapter of the show is about to start now that I, when I regain myself a, a, a proper working space, which will then uh, can actually be an actual, the, the headquarters of the network. I could do a lot of that stuff on my own now. And uh, we can concentrate on other things as special projects and hopefully won't be too taxed with resources. So I'm glad that you're here with me tonight. It's not going to be as short a show as we thought it would be. So we had a little bit of rearranging of our schedules with the band, and I am going to be joining... I'm actually going to be going into the other room to do some work solo on the drum set around 8.30. I don't know if I'll be streaming that or not. I have just It's like some private work and all that stuff. And I'll be naked, and you don't want to see any of that. Trust me. And then there is... Um, next week is when the band is going to get together fully my guitarist is not around tonight but that means tonight we will all be able to take calls at least until 8 30. I, I mean i'm 8 30. that's that was going to be the uh the cutoff point whereas eight o'clock would have been the cutoff point good because i've got a lot of things i gotta talk to you about i have to talk to you about well we'll do this arraignment day stuff what's going on with uh in florida with trump and and some of the media reaction and all that that'll be very brief and of course if that's on your mind and you want to wail about it then you're you go ahead because the lines will be open but then i want to slip on over to this to the story about arnold schwarzenegger from last week that i was saving and I want to talk a little bit about heaven. I want to talk a little bit about heaven with you tonight. And not only just nihilism in older generations that I have never seen this. I mean, I was raised by older generations. And right now what I'm seeing is an unprecedented amount of nihilism and people just, uh, just, just giving up instead of growing stronger in their faith and all that and I um I, I think it obviously we're seeing generational um dividends being paid from old psyops and old counterculture movements and on and on and on so I want to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh comments about heaven the fantasy of heaven he says and get some get some thoughts from you guys uh, over the other end of the, the phone lines and then uh and then i have some other questions that have to do with heaven actually one big question uh that was generated by timothy alberino on twitter over the weekend about heaven being a locality and i want to get your opinions on that so i think this will be a good one so let's get started shall we uh first please go and 
check out all of our great friends and affiliates on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. They are um, they're so good to us, and they have wonderful stuff all over the place, from the survival gear to chocolates. So you're talking about health foods. We're not talking about Hershey's over here. We're talking about health foods. Check them all out. There's gold. There's silver. I see more things coming out about how silver is grossly undervalued. Duh. So I hope that there's an adjustment there sometime soon. Because a lot of us out here, even if you own a little bit, will be sitting pretty. At least in a valuation standpoint. Um, but, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing tonight. So go, please, and patronize all of our wonderful friends and affiliates on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. What do we got for you over here? Not Judy Garland. We're going over to... Our grab bag. Remember, you can warm up your phone calls. Warm up that trigger finger tonight. It's 914-200-0269. It's going to be a good time. All right, so here's the first one up from Yahoo Finance. Headline, Americans should prepare for cyber sabotage from Chinese hackers. It's the Chinese now we need to be prepared for. So whatever happens, it's either the Chinese or the Russians. And you know what? Who knows if they are? Maybe. Maybe. Chinese hackers are all but certain to disrupt American critical infrastructure, which is pretty much their infrastructure, uh, such as pipelines and railways. In the event of a conflict with the United States, a senior U.S. cybersecurity official said Monday in comments made during an appearance at the Aspen Institute in Washington, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Director Jen Easterly said Beijing was making major investments in the capability to sabotage U.S. infrastructure. This, I think, is the real threat that we need to prepare for and to focus on and to build resilience against. She cautioned that Americans need to be prepared for the likelihood that Beijing's hackers would dodge their defenses and cause damage in the physical world. Given the formidable nature of the threat from Chinese state actors, given the size of their capability, given how much resources and effort they put into it, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to prevent disruptions from happening. Hmm. The Chinese embassy in Washington did not immediately respond to a request seeking reaction to the warning. (laughs) What the hell were they going to say? Better watch out. Yeah, no, 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 listen, listen to them. What the hell are they going to say to that? Easterly's comments followed a question about an alleged Chinese hacking group known as Volt Typhoon, which U.S. officials and cybersecurity companies accuse of positioning itself to carry out destructive cyber attacks in the event of a conflict. How about we don't have a conflict? Yes, but Taiwan is like the, the 57th state. Her comments expanded on a warning issued earlier this year by the U.S. intelligence community, which said in its annual threat assessment that Beijing certainly would, this is a quote, certainly would consider undertaking aggressive cyber operations against U.S. homeland uh, critical infrastructure and military targets should Chinese decision makers believe a major fight with the United States were imminent, as we would do to them, as anybody that has the capability is now finding themselves mired in a war with anybody else would do to their opponent. So we're, we're out there um, spending the last bit of our integrity and our, our, our reputation 
whatever the hell. I don't know if there's anything left of it. Any of our military clout, anything like that, whatever is left of American dignity abroad is being spent. And, and, and we're over here saying these, uh, the people we haven't attacked yet may attack us. How about, how about we, how about we don't put this, you know, ne there's never a war, never a war that I was uh, around for that did anything but make things harder at home, you know? How about we just start, um, who, who, who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? Who am I talking to? This is the machine. This is the machine that's gobbling up Trump, whether you like him or hate him. This is the, this is the machine that gobbles up and spits everybody out and does what they do on the TV and elsewhere. This is what they do. This is really what it's all about. It's about how they want to remake the world, how they are hell-bent on remaking the world, and they don't want anything or anyone standing in its way. And sacrifices are nothing, especially for those little people that they always talk about wanting to help so much. They don't give a fuck about them. Us don't care. So this is just for uh, saloon, saloon talk between you and I. Here's from the Daily Star. John Le Lennon to be resurrected with AI for a new Beatles record, says Paul McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney has revealed plans to release the final Beatles song this year. It uses artificial intelligence to reconstruct the late singer John Lennon's voice and, quote, get it pure. A new Beatles song is on the way and even features a digitally resurrected John Lennon. Sir Paul McCartney said uh, that the last Beatles record will be released later this year and features the use of artificial intelligence technology to bring the voice of John Lennon back from the dead. The legendary Beatle told the BBC that an old sample of John Lennon's singing has been processed using AI to get it pure for what will be the band's final song. I wonder if Paul McCartney is going to record the drums like he, uh, like, like he did so many times before. Like, like that old joke that uh, Ringo wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. Um, Maka called AI an interesting thing and something that we're all sort of tackling at the moment. There he is. There's the fake Paul McCartney. <laughs> I was talking about the Paul is dead theory with Lauren the other night because she just discovered it. I showed her the the, 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 the album cover, the, the Abbey Road album cover. I explained what everybody signified and walking across the street, Paul being the corpse and it just everything. And then I tried to get in touch with Jerry Coogan from Scotland, but he didn't answer the, uh, the gilded message. I because I, I believe that Jerry said that he was the foremost expert on the Paul is dead theory. And, um, and maybe one day we'll get a little bit of clarity on that when we have time. Sir Paul told radio fours, Martha Kearney, when Peter Jackson did the film The Beatles, Get Back, where it was uh, just ma it was us making the Let It Be album, he was able to uh, extricate John's voice from a ropey little bit of cassette and piano. He could separate them with AI, and he'd tell the machine, that's a voice, this is a guitar, lose the guitar. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record, it was a demo that John, had, uh, John uh, that we had worked on, and we had just finished up. It'll be released this year. So don't you worry. There's going to be a new Beatles song out this year. I'll definitely be listening to it ASAP. 
gotta listen to it. Um, he also audited, Sir Paul did, that he thinks that there's a good side to AI as well as a scary side. Artificial intelligence is increasingly being used to digitally augment people's voices. The latest version of iOS brings a new AI feature called Personal Voice. It can stitch together a robo version of your speech based on just 15 minutes of audio, which then lets you speak to people without ever opening your mouth. Oh, God. I didn't know this. This is bad. You know how many voice notes we all send to each other? All you, At that point, all you need to do is upload somebody else's voice note, and then you can speak on their behalf, no matter what. Then again, I mean, if you want to sample my voice, you have like 20 years... 20 years worth of shit that you can take. So, we'll see what happens, huh? We'll see what happens. All right. Well, that's it on that end. Burisma owner here. This is something this is something that's that should make you make you wonder. Burisma owner allegedly recorded Biden bribe the conversations of all the bribes as an insurance policy and the FBI covered it up, says Grassley. Chuck Grassley. Monday, uh, Chuck dropped yet another bombshell in the recent spate of Biden corruption headlines that the foreign national who allegedly bribed then VP Joe Biden kept 17 secret recordings of both Hunter and Joe Biden as an insurance policy. According to the Washington Examiner, the foreign national is Burisma owner Mikola Zoshlevsky. Zoshlevsky. Two of the recordings are allegedly between Joe Biden. Here's a quote. The 1023 produced to the House committee redacted reference that the foreign national who allegedly bribed Joe and Hunter Biden allegedly has audio recordings of his conversations with them. 17 total recordings, Grassley said during a speech at the Senate floor. These recordings were allegedly kept as a sort of insurance policy for the foreign national in case he got into a tight spot. The 1023 also indicates that then-Vice President Joe Biden may have been involved in Burisma employing Hunter Biden. He continued, More than that, the FBI made Congress review a redacted unclassified document in a classified facility. That goes to show you the disrespect the FBI has for Congress. And, uh, yeah, so th- this is that's all uh, evident there. And if you, if you were wondering, if the FBI were wondering where they can go and send the marshals or whatever to go arrest Joe Biden, they could have sent them right to the White House where he was partying with uh, sexual fetishists on the White House lawn. And there has been an apology from the White House since topless transvestites were jiggling their fake tits all over the place. Sorry to get so graphic. But this is, you know, there's many people out there that ask the question, what would the founders do? And uh, in many in many cases, you can answer exactly what the founders would have done just based on what they did in, uh, in, in, in less severe circumstances, mind you. What they would have thought about certain things, acts of Congress based on the constitutional conventions and all that stuff. You don't have to project your modern... Uh, sentiments onto men from the 18th and 19th century. You can you can go figure that out. But I would have to say that um, without doing any studying, you'd have to imagine that James Madison and Thomas Jefferson and George Washington would have thrown up all over themselves and wouldn't have stopped throwing up if they would have seen men 
and women who have mutilated themselves to look like a terrible copy of the opposite sex jiggling their tits on the front lawn of the White House. The vomit would have never stopped. White House slams inappropriate and disrespectful behavior of topless trans guests at Pride event after the actions of a number of transgender influencers on the lawn in front of the White House went viral. President Joe Biden's administration, after praising them as the bravest and most inspiring people he'd ever known, has been forced to condemn the toplessness. Quote, This behavior is inappropriate and disrespectful for any event at the White House. It is not reflective of the event we hosted to celebrate LGBTQI+. Families or the other hundreds of guests who were in attendance, individuals in the video will not be invited to future events. Yeah. Yeah, no, we did not ex- we did not expect this at all. You brought traumatized, confused children and in many cases sex addicted transvestites to the ha- the White House and you're surprised it wasn't the dinner scene from the Titanic. You're surprised? It wasn't lamb and mint jelly? How long before the alphabet people turn on Biden for daring to condemn the free expression? Oh, yeah, because because listen to this. The activist, the activist who was banned, this person named Rose Montoya, said this. I had zero intention of trying to be vulgar or to be profane in any way. I was simply living my joy and my truth and existing in my body. No responsibility taken, even in that respect. They they took they took themselves out and started jiggling themselves around. Go ahead, make a gif out of that. <laughs> okay, uh, they took themselves. And, and just listen. I was just living my joy. Imagine where else they're going to be caught living their joy, and there will be no apology. There will only be a, I I. It wasn't my intention to harm anyone as I was chaining them to my dungeon basement. I, I, I was just living my truth, existing in my body, expressing myself. It's not going to stop until it's stopped. And, uh, and it will go there. It will go there. Here's a, here's a clip that's been going around lately. Here's a clip that's been going around. Um, this is from 2019 on Bill Maher's show. And you have uh, David, uh, what is it, Prager? His name is David Prager. I forget his first name, but it's the Prager guy from Prager U and all that stuff. He's over there in 2019, and he dares on this panel to say um, to, to say that men cannot menstruate. And everybody thinks he's, you know, they, they laugh at him like these completely tone deaf, like these blind to everything oblivious people or it's either they're oblivious or they know what's coming they want him just to look like a clown until people have been properly prepped for the obscene and the outrageous to have been normalized in a little bit more of a slow boil kind of a way take a look at this it, you would think it's from 1957 but it's it's 2019 mind you to say that men can menstruate is a lie, and that is now, that is what is said. Wait, 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 where did that come from? You never heard it, right, okay. Check it out. Anyone I, I, 
anyone who says wrong. a man wait, wait, cannot wait, wait, menstruate wait. is considered transphobic. I, I, I missed this whole story. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. I tell, no, tell me where, so where, where are you getting it. this? Just Google it. Can men menstruate? Who, who is saying this? You're who talking about a it? very small no, percentage. Oh, really? Dennis, I remember you in the old show. You Now remember, remember, very small percentage. Remember the people that have been appearing before congressional, uh, con uh, before Congress recently. Uh, to be to be questioned about whether or not they can uh, you know, men can menstruate or have children yes with the crazy faces on uh, both in state in state hearings and federal hearings remember the latest diversity pick for the the Supreme Court couldn't comment on what a woman was because she wasn't a biologist she was just a woman you think that would be enough but I mean this is this is 2019 so. Just remember, when you deal with liberals, especially in a group, you're dealing with very, very unstable people. The ground that they stand on now, though it may seem solid, will turn to quicksand quickly, very quickly. And they'll deny ever standing there before. Maybe some will, but uh, they will at the expense of being lopped off from the herd and castigated as some kind of a crazy right winger. I remember you in the old show. You were a little more reasonable. What did I say that wasn't unreasonable? You, you said you that, that we think that men menstruate yes, and no yes. one does. We no, never. No. Have you heard about it? I'm a doctor. I, I missed that one. I confess. And this is one of the you premier were, reporters. Missing, I mean, he knows everything. The these, are, this, these, these people are very. He's yes. a doctor. Okay. He's one of I the great. I would make a friendly bet that you that the LGBTQ okay. normative state is men can menstruate and he's right whether you like Dennis Prager or not what's his name Dennis uh, he's right and they this is like looking at Ron Paul going on I don't what was that guy's name in like the the late 80s just getting the shit beat out of him by a uh, a, a a rabid group of idiots in the audience and just being able to look back and say okay well you stood and you faced the fire and you were right, and everybody else around you owes you a huge apology. But it's not even really just him. Uh, all you have to do is all you really have to do is listen to what the crazies who were setting the tone for all this stuff were saying. And that's that. All right, we'll be right back. We got plenty to do, and uh, just enough time to do it in, I believe. So don't go anywhere. Come on, sit up. When we, you want to open, oh, you want to open up my thing? Open up. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock!
the knives are out. Every once in a while, there's that... You say, oh man. When a plan is executed, like, what do you think? You know, I said this... I said this before we did... It was the, the election of 2020. It was election of 2020, and I said it was maybe about a couple of a couple of weeks later. I mean, we knew what was going on just hours after midnight. We knew what was going on the next day, and then it was just a countdown to what the next phase was, which was declarations, acting as if, picking the cabinets, forcing their way to the inauguration, and uh, hopefully having a uh, wonderful um, uh, something or other to sabotage and and bring down the, the, the real hammer on the rest of the country. But, you know, it was a couple of days after the election that I said to myself, and I, I think I brought it up on the air here, I said, you know, imagine imagine the, the nervousness. I mean, election night is already something that is very, I don't know, your hair stands up. There's an electricity in the, the even when, before I cared about what was going on, before I was old enough to vote. Uh, I still knew what was happening, and I knew that, oh, well, I'm going to go to bed tonight, and uh, overnight, a lot of adults all over the country are going to be tallying up votes and all that stuff, and they're all going to do it honestly and, and stuff like that, and, and I'll wake up the next morning, and we'll have a new president, and then uh, we'll just, that's it, we'll have a new president, and the world wouldn't have ended or begun, uh, there wouldn't have been anything really to it. That's just all, all there really was. But still, it was an exciting night. You're going to wake up the next morning, and you're going to be able to say, so-and-so is the next president or remains president, and that was pretty significant. Because whether you paid attention or not, you knew who the president was. I don't know if you can say that now. But this past election in 2020 must have been something. Because you think about all the people who needed to be involved in this fucking scam... You have to imagine that everybody that was involved with this, from the media on down and up, the night before must have been like, oh, okay, tomorrow's the big day. Keep a straight face. We can do this. We can do this. Just we, I mean, th- th- remember, this is a hulking plan. The hulking plan. Now, uh, obviously, it's it compartmentalized like everybody else. If you are part of some kind of crazy trick-or-treating harvest ballot, harvest ballot, harvest, harvest ballot harvesting trick-or-treat team, that's one thing. You don't really know what the hell the, uh, the, uh, the other uh, box stuffers are doing. You don't understand who, who the people who are processing things by cover of nightfall are doing you're just doing your little thing and there's a little bit of cash in your pocket and that's fine the people in the media know how they're going to report it they're going to be straight laced with certain people they're going to be suspicious of other things and they're going to continue to influence whoever the hell still listens to them as a source of news and then as time goes on you just know you did your part to achieve a goal and that wasn't to make sure that a fair and honest election was done it was to make sure that one person was catapulted over the other. And that must have been really, really uh, nerve-wracking because anything could go wrong. You can be exposed in some way, but then exciting because you know that you own so much of the system from the judges to every, to the media to everything else that you really could pull this off and, uh, and be okay. 
you can be all right. It's true. Well, this had to be one of those things. When you have this Jack Smith guy doing what he does, the day before he submitted all these these indictments and they became known, I mean, that that's a big day. That must have been like Christmas Eve for a lot of people. And then today was another one of them. It's just one of those waters, those watershed moments when you know that people who are up to no good are just sticking to a plan. These are people who actually have a plan and stick to it. And uh, even when it's sloppy, they achieve their end because they are relentless. Here is from Zero Hedge. Biden administration arrests Donald Trump, who pleads not guilty to 37 charges. This, is a, this has been updated throughout the day. The Biden administration officially arrested former President Donald Trump on Tuesday for allegedly mishandling classified documents. Trump arrived at Miami Courthouse Tuesday afternoon where deputy marshals booked him and co-defendant Walt Noda before taking both men to be fingerprinted and processed. The arrest followed a historic indictment brought by the Justice Department alleging he willfully mishandled top secret government documents and conspired to hinder U.S. officials' efforts to recover them. So there he was. Trump, who is making a comeback bid for the White House, is the first former president who has faced federal charges, criminal charges. Trump, who appeared wearing a navy blue suit, white shirt, and a red tie, pleaded not guilty to all 37 counts against him. Trump's attorney, Todd Blanche, entered the plea on his client's behalf before the federal magistrate judge. We most certainly enter a plea of not guilty, Blanche said. Prosecutors claim Trump kept highly sensitive uh, papers at his Mar-a-Lago resort, some of which they say address nuclear programs and military attack plans. The indictment accuses Trump of 31 counts of violating the Espionage Act, laughable, which carries prison sentences as long as 10 years, or the willful retention of national security information as well as one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice. You guys know if that even one of these charges lands it could be a death sentence for somebody 76 years old uh i mean i i understand from people who know far more than i do about what is being lobbed against him and what the uh the 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 presidential records act really allows him allows any president how this is really just uh pathetic we I, i you can generalize this and i understand i understand what what's behind it And I wouldn't be surprised if it's pathetic because think about all the pathetic things, time wasters. And no matter how obvious of a scam it has been for the last seven years, no matter what scam has been employed, uh, I mean, it, it wasted time, it distracted, it paralyzed. I mean, these are, this is the real thing here. Now, I, what, what I don't understand is that now we're reading that this speedy trial that's promised by the special counsel in Trump's case may not go so fast. Here's another one from Yahoo News. I don't know if this will hold up. Um, U.S. Special Counsel Jack Smith said former President Donald Trump will have a speedy trial in Miami on a 37-count indictment charging him with willfully retaining class blah, 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 blah. But the complexities of handling tightly classified evidence, the degree to which Trump's legal team challenges the government's pretrial motions, the way the judge manages the schedule could all lead to a trial that is anything but swift, legal experts say. In every case that I had involving classified information, we never had a speedy trial said Stephanie Siegman, 
a former chief of the National Security Unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office in Boston, who noted that this, the evidence-sharing process with Trump's defense team known as Discovery could potentially take a year. This is the case. Uh, this case will be designed or designated complex because it involves classified information. The U.S. Constitution guarantees criminal defendants the right to a speedy trial, and defendants in federal cases are allowed to have a trial start as soon as 70 days from the time that they are indicted. But in most criminal cases, both sides can agree to pause that clock in order to give them more time to prepare. Delays could be troublesome for Trump, who is currently the Republican frontrunner for the 2024 presidential election and may not wish to have the trial looming as the elections approach. At the same time, his lawyers may want to delay the process for legal or political reasons by lodging objections uh, each step of the way, a tactic he has used in the past. So what do you think? Does he does he put that out there? as Does he want it quick? Does he want it quick? Or does he want to, with at least this one, stretch it out as long as you can, hope beyond hope that you win the election and then pardon yourself? I don't, I, this is, again, it's a, it's a show we're all going to be watching together, and that's really, um, that's really the case. There was one funny thing that I'll throw out right before we get started with the main thrust of tonight's show. Well, I guess the second half of tonight's show. Here is CNN reporting on D- Donald Trump. He stopped at a Cuban restaurant after pleading not guilty, and the the cameras followed him in there, and he was like, being celebrated there's a lot of people around him a lot of supporters and they're all singing with him and uh praying around him and stuff like that it it was like a celebratory very positive thing it's all very supportive and uh jake tapper just just couldn't take it uh i i like this one this it it just because it's funny here serious national security laws uh and then obstructing and refusing to cooperate with the fbi yeah uh, whatever it's it's somebody's birthday over there and uh here's jake tapper and this little quizzling of a half man that is uh, is is helping him through the segment this spectacle is that's unfolding before us let's remember what this case is about whatever this spectacle is that is unfolding before us let's remember how serious this is freaks nobody cares freaks remember what this indictment charges again donald trump is charged with a series of federal felonies for mishandling the most sensitive government documents that we have and for obstruction of justice along with walt nada who is charged with Mis- mishand- just think just think of, again again it's not hypocrite it's not it's not hypocrisy these are not hypocrites this is just the game plan this is psychological warfare there is no rules there's no rules. They sit here seriously talking about the mishandling of the most sensitive stuff out there when he, Donald Trump, was a person in a position in which he can go and handle this stuff however he'd like. And and, and what they did to throw up firewalls around not only Hillary Clinton, but what they're doing right now around Joe Biden it's just it's not hypocrisy it's psychological warfare that's just what it is intentionally setting up lies to the grand jury to the fbi any way you look at this and again despite whatever may be going on in that restaurant this case isn't going to be settled legally 
in a cafe, it's going to be settled in the court based on the facts and law. Oh, okay. In a cafe. You have tried to settle every damn scam, every bullshit investigation that you helped launch over the last seven years. You tried settling all of that on television in the court of public opinion. But they could just could not. Their skin was crawling at the at the sight of Donald Trump having a positive moment in a day that was obviously had to be stressful. Would it not be for you? They they could not bear to see anything that smacked of positivity and lightheartedness. And here is uh, here comes Jowly Jake with his sagging face and his stupid problem glasses. Folks in the control room, I don't need to see any more of that. He, this, he's trying to turn this in. He's trying to turn it into a spectacle, into a campaign ad. That's enough of that. We've seen it already. Uh, let's go over again the 37 charges. <laughs> let's go back to the charges. No more of that, please. And to think, to think that a couple of weeks ago, this nasally, jowly fuck, Jake, I'm sorry, children, Children, I'm sorry. I should have, I'm just sorry. I'm, I'm talking like a, a real jerk. This bastard, that's terrible too. This bastard, Jake Tapper, had to admit just two weeks ago that John Durham, that report hurt the FBI in a big way and in many ways exonerated Donald Trump. From what? From a con that he helped push from the very start. Jake Tapper was the link to James Clapper at the White House around the time that BuzzFeed was putting the dossier out there. I mean, he was there from the very beginning. He was one of the first people to push this con from the start that was just BTFO'd. Yeah, there was not a lot of, uh, not a lot of resolution that we all wanted, but still... This is not even, what, two, three weeks ago? He's up there saying the last huge con that he pushed was completely taken apart and Trump was exonerated. Now here he is again carrying water again. You nasally piece of shit burning hell. So, speaking of hell, hell, heaven, Now I want to move on to something else. I'm going to take a really quick break to kind of clean the palate. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, heaven, faith. And I want to start taking calls from you for the next hour. And uh, hopefully we can we can chill out with that a little bit. Don't go anywhere. Hi there. I'm Paul Perkenstein. And welcome to the wide world of web. Today's segment, Internet Chat Rooms. Hello. How are you today? It appears Greg has challenged our manhood. We need to find out everything we can about his interests, fears, and most of all, his family. How many genders do we think there are? Two. Two genders. Absolutely. Okay, so it's not a social construct? I was just saying to my friend here, men dress up as women to hit on men. Women dress up as men to hit on women. What can't, what's that all about? Have failed athletes, okay, want to take over because they can't make it in the men's world right. and they want to steal it from the female mm-hmm. gender and that's kind of sickening. So it's not fair that they're dominating their female not opponents? Not at all, not at all, no. I totally disagree with it. Do you think they should have their own section for the transgender? But you're very unwell, yes. Yeah. You got any plans for the summer? Go 
going back to Mission Viejo to surf or whatever? Actually, I'm hoping to stay here in the city. Excuse me a minute. Read the check, please. The young man took care of it. You break the check? I figured since you're always so you know, generous, I should reciprocate. You're lucky you don't get your head handed to you. Dad. Let's get something straight. You eat, I pay. Mr. Soprano. But when you your own family, you pay. I pay. All right, so here's what I wanted to bring up. So get get your minds all drained from that other crap. And let's talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger just for a second, because it's just at a launching point to something else. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says, Heaven is a fantasy. Anyone that tells you something else is a f- effing liar. I've already cursed enough tonight. Arnold Schwarzenegger thinks the idea of heaven is just a fantasy. The Terminator star, 75 years old, spoke about his thoughts on what happens after death. After actor Danny DeVito, 78, posed the question, what is in the future for us, he said. Quote, it reminds me of of Howard Stern's question to me. Tell me, Governor, what happens to us when we die? I said, nothing. You're six feet under. Anyone that tells you something else is an effing liar. Schwarzenegger said in a conversation for Interview Magazine. I said, we don't know what happens with the soul and all the spiritual stuff that I'm not an expert in, but I know that the body as we see each other right now, they will never see uh, each other again like that. The Predator star admitted that speaking about death makes him uncomfortable. Now, I gotta say, he didn't come out and say that there is no soul. He didn't come out and say that there is nothing after this, but as far as the identity of what we are right now on Earth, in our bodies, that's gone. No doubt about it. That's what he's saying. But, um, but let's let's uh, let's just keep going from there. He says when I when people talk about I will see them again in heaven, it sounds so good, but the reality is that we won't see each other again after we're gone. That's the sad part. I know people feel comfortable with death, but I don't. He said. The former California governor said that he had lost about 15 friends from back in his bodybuilding days in the last two decades and said the tragic news forced him to shift his perspective on an afterlife. Now, he says, to me, heaven is where I put a person who I love dearly, who was kind, who was generous, who made a difference in my life and other people's lives, he explained. I keep them in a spot in my head, like that front row that you have for all of your friends, and you always have good feelings when you think of them. Now, I think that's a, that's a pretty pathetic move right there. When we talk about it, just so weak, I should say, to say that, well, you know, people in my life started dying, so I, I am, I'm, re- I'm rethinking about what I feel about the afterlife, and it's not good. Well, what does that mean? 
Now I know everybody's on their own personal um, their own personal journeys here, and life is a very personal journey. But I don't know when people start dying. I mean, people start dying. You get older and you start giving up. I don't understand. I don't understand that. And I've 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 seen that more and more in my life where I didn't in the prior generations getting older and passing on. It's just it's very strange. Um, I I found that my I found my faith under the cloud of agony and death last year. Or I reconnected. And I'm still just I'm still just working my ass off on it. But I mean this is what Joe Mazzula from the, the the Celtics was talking about. You know, it's easy to have faith. It's easy to be a good teammate when you're winning. It's easy to have faith when you're young and you feel good and you're spry and you just you, you know you can bounce off the walls and and whatever. Um, you know when you when you're joyous when you're it's easy to to have faith then. I mean it, it feels so much better when you're when you're feeling joy to be also grateful on top of it. But it's the uh, it's the dark that it's this mentality that I want to talk about with everybody, um, especially in my. In my personal life, I'm not going to name names, of course, but uh, there there are some people that I know personally uh, that you don't know that have really taken really hard turns toward nihilism. These are people that, if I went back even five years, any time that a, a butterfly flew by or a rabbit ran by out of a bush and then disappeared somewhere down the road, they would say, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's Grandpa. It's my, it's my mother. It's my father. You know, it, it's like a, at one point, everybody's visiting everybody. You're, you're praying. You, you feel connected. And then all of a sudden, it's... No, there's nothing. There's nothing. So-and-so is just six feet under. There's nothing going on. I'm, uh, I don't think... I don't know what I believe anymore. And it's just like, what the hell? Now, this is just... Um, is it just... I mean, I don't know. It can't just be me. But I'm speaking on behalf of myself, and I want to see what's going on out there in the audience. But when I was growing up, the elders in the family, they drew closer to God, prayer, or anything that they've ever connected with spiritually as they they got older and nearer to death. That is why um, even at my most distant point from faith, or even thinking about anything like that, at my most distant point, when I remembered my grandparents and reflected on my grandparents, I always felt comfort. I felt the comfort that their faith brought them in a vicarious way. Okay, so it, it was like the, it was a nostalgia, nostalgia that blossomed into genuine personal interest, and now I'm on whatever path I'm on. But that's um, that's that that generation is all begone now. That's the the depression generation, the so-called greatest generation. And I got to say, the boomers, they are a weird mix of agnostic, new age, and nihilist. And it's trickling down because I've been reading a lot about what the hell's going on with Gen Z. And we're going to talk a little bit more about Gen Z in particular tomorrow when John Doyle is on with me. And I, and I, I don't want to come, I'm not, remember, I'm not coming down on boomers here. I'm just saying that when you think about counterculture movements, when you think about psychological operations, liberation theology, what they really 
what they really did to separate one generation from the next and start that down that uh, that you know that snowball heading downhill. That's the first thing I come up with, and of course Arnold Schwarzenegger is a part of that, a part of that loudly agnostic front, that loud agnostic front, I should say. So I, I wanted I want to know if you're seeing anything like this or if you, anything pops up for you along the way with this. And then I have another question I want to pose the audience. This is from Timothy Alberino. He asked his audience on Twitter on over the weekend. He said another query for uh, query for Christians. He says, "Does the kingdom of heaven have locality? If so, where is it? Logical explanations only, please." So Timothy Alberino wanted to know is the kingdom of heaven a physical place? And if so, where is it? You know, we talk a lot. Uh, well, we, we're we're going to get into this. Going to get into this a little bit because I thought that that was interesting. Is there a locality of heaven? Is it another dimension? Is it purely ethereal? I mean, if the war between heaven and hell was a kinetic engagement like we've talked about in other in other shows and all that, then why would the non-physical become physical just for the sake of fighting each other? So I would love to hear some comments. I'll read some comments from this thread, which I think are really interesting. But let's start it. I want I want to talk about uh, generational nihilism, and and if you you if you've seen this, and um, I know that this is a an audience that we have a, a large mix of faithful people here. I know that we have atheists in the audience, agnostic people who just are just here for the ride, and nothing's really struck them yet. So I'd love to hear about it because it it doesn't it doesn't have to be something that is uh, that repulses you as a person who has uh, is very devout in whatever religion you find yourself a member of. Um, I I'm it's more so the the outlook on going forward, the mental outlook on on what's here and and the possibility of something beyond, or if it is really all just. Joy kill, buzz kill stuff. Let's take a call from Lindsay. What's going on, Lindsay? Hi, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing all right. What has uh, what's got you thinking tonight? Well, the generational nihilism thing is great. Excuse me, one second. Peanut, cut it out. Sorry. Um, first of all, you posed a question about is heaven a place, a physical place? I, I want to answer that. Okay, go ahead. I, I would like to think so. I would like to think so, but I think that it would it would be on a different plane of existence. Um, if you get my meaning. So, um, so you like like almost like a wormhole plane of existence. I mean, I've heard a lot of people talk about white lights and and uh, dark tunnels mm-hmm. leading into light. Could that have been a a trans? A, a a some sort of a uh, I don't know a transportation moving into another dimension kind of a thing there. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Kind of about uh, moving into another dimension. Um, yeah, when you say you know you hear about the, the white lights and people that have um, come back from the dead and uh, they've met Jesus and um, no, sorry. Um, just these different wonderful things. I it, I just feel like it's there. 
it's a physical place that they don't want to they don't want to leave well thank you for the call Lindsay. it's great to hear from you and and it's great to hear from the dog too Oh, thanks. Okay, well, have a good one. And so Lindsay thinks it has to be a, or at least she would like to believe it's a physical place. Uh, let's take uh, Dom. What's going on, Dom? Aha, Frank. Dom. Good evening. Dom, you sound five yeah. miles away. Five miles away? You know what? Let me switch it back to, uh, I'm sorry. Is this uh, four miles closer? Oh, four miles and closer and more than that. Okay, thank you so much. Go right ahead. Uh, the f- I have a bad memory. There's so many subjects. But the first part is we know that there is a two-tier system, and uh, this time it appears that uh, Donald committed some crimes. He uh, did not uh, cooperate with the subpoena. He uh, lied about it, and... Uh, he told some people to move boxes around, which made his lawyers look bad because they, like, we know that there's a two-tier system, so it's like, yeah, those crimes don't apply to certain people, but to him, they do. Well, like I said, we're all we're we're all watching, we're all watching, and we'll see where the where the system uh, bears out. What's the other thing you have? Ah. Uh, Okay. All right. So let's take another call from Frank's Adam. What's going on, Frank's? Hi, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm to speak with you. Are we live now? Of course. Yes, you're on with me right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. My stream's a little behind. Uh, yeah, Frank, I was just calling about the, uh, you know, heaven. Hey, hey uh, is this Adam or is this Frank? It's Adam, Frank. A- Adam, Adam, okay. Uh, just whatever you yeah. do, do not listen to the stream. Turn it off because we're on a delay and yeah. you're only going to confuse yourself. You. Okay. Well, my, my concept, I started out as Christian. I was raised at the Church of Christ. And uh, that's, that's changed. I now believe in, I'm just more spiritual, not religious. And uh, my belief is that our children are ascension and that heaven is more of a... Uh, extended consciousness. Can you hear me? I, 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 yes, but I'm also listening to myself in the background. Okay. Um, so when we, when we can die, you, can you, can you, can you, you know, Adam, lives. Adam, can you please turn off the stream in the background? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's on a completely different device. I didn't know you could hear that. It went really low. Okay. Okay, I'll start over. Oh, so, okay. My, my belief is, you know, when you die, uh, it's more of a uh, extended consciousness. I don't think we're going to take our old decrepit bodies with us, uh, you know, and I believe we will have an extension of consciousness. But our ascension, basically, is our children. You know, as, as we procreate, we're progenitors of light to our children. That's why, I don't know if you noticed in science, they show that now when uh, an egg is fertilized, there's actually a flash of light. So, you know, that I think is the the gift of light, you know, and, and that is like when we meet God, that's basically where God is, you know. So very, and, uh, a very, a, a very new agey approach. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I, whenever I, uh, our bodies, you know, I just, uh, I just don't think we're going to need them. Well, I don't think I don't think that you know after my whole th- and I'm I'm sure that we're going to get a little bit something. In fact, I just uh, we'll get a little bit something on this because the whole idea of bodies and uh, and resurrection and final judgment that is a that's a, a very that's a very uh, big theme there that I'd love to to sift through. I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But yeah, um, ascension is one of those things. My my I my question here now is. Uh, is what does the the life afterwards what does that life afterwards really mean where does the energy go where does the soul go off to what is it is it a, it a weigh-in station what's going on there and and in is that place a place that can be located in some kind of a way let's take a uh, let's take a call from uh let's see here gold let's see uh, uh, uh gold Elihu, Elihu, Eli, yeah, Eli, Eliyahu, Eliyahu. Welcome back. Yeah. I mean, welcome here. You Frank? Yes, it's here. Hey, how you doing, Frank? It's great to have good you. Good afternoon. How are you? Thank the good Lord. How you been? Oh, I'm just. Uh, you know, it was actually a really nice day today, and it's been it's been nice, and I've been having a good time this week so far, and I'm hoping to keep it rolling. But it's great to have you on. So give me uh give me your thoughts on any of tonight's topics. Well, I didn't quite hear all the topics. I'm a long time listener, first time caller. Figured I'd call in to add everyone, and thank you for your work and your service. And keep up the good work. Well, well, let me ask you because I, I'd love to keep you on topic a little bit. For I, I appreciate that, but let me give you a, a, a rundown. Do you believe that heaven is, has locality? That it, it there is an actual physical place somewhere, perhaps not in this dimension, but somewhere, or is it is it something a little bit more elusive, a little bit more ethereal? Uh, well, the 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 nature of being human and being conscious is ethereal to begin with. We have the ability to think about ourselves in third person, abstractly from the rest of what we're running or what what we are um, what we are experiencing. So we can look at something and then we can we can think about it, we can talk about it, and then we get these things that we can't explain. And over the years, that becomes religion and whatnot, and then we get revelations and and so on and so forth. What I believe heaven is, well, someone once told me heaven was like a book, was a room with a book in it, and hell is the same place, and it's just about what you do with it. So that sounds a little bit more like, hey, heaven and hell is right here at this moment, and after we die, there's there's nothing. This was our one time to make it either good or mad. Well... I can agree with you on the first part, but the second part I I don't agree with. Well, the I second think, the, I, I the, believe the second part I believe that there is somewhere that we go that our consciousness goes to. That that's we, my that's um, my question. We, we well, I've never been there, so I can't I can't <laughs> tell you with any certainty. But what I believe in is that there is definitely some other place that we experience once we close our eyes for the final time. Well, and that's... whatever that is, that. That's the journey that we, we get to when we get there, right? Well, the fact that you say that it's a journey would make me think that there's going to be some kind of a distance crossed, and and perhaps at the other end of that is a place that we can actually have the X mark the spot and say, here we are. Thank you so much for the call, Elihu. It's great great to uh, meet welcome. you. Take care. Yes, wonderful. 
Uh, let's go over to shoot Helix. What's going on, Helix? Helix? No. Jeff, you there, Jeff? I am. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you. Go right ahead. Whatever's on your mind. Well, I was trying to piggyback off of what your topic is. Um, I I believe in first off the foundation in my life is the Bible. Um, I do agree, and I'm starting to see where I feel like man uh, through translations has maybe fiddled with a little bit of the word. However, I believe that that God inspired the writers, and we have everything that we need in order to have a relationship with Him. Uh, when we die, I believe that, you know, the whole being born again, if you think about the angels in the Bible, uh, they, they could move between dimensions, our dimension and their dimension. So I think that the born again is uh, moving away from the physical, and then we're being, our bodies are prepared to be able to stand in the throne room of God, just like the devil when he would be uh, in Job where he, uh, God would question him, where have you been? I've been to and fro the earth. I think that is the born-again part. I also feel that um, since the beginning, the devil, he, he's the father of lies. And so he, he's had at least 6,000 years to, uh, to come up with his lies and to, to divert and, and confuse mankind. You were asking the other night with Timothy um, Alberino whether there was some sort of a checklist that the devil had to do in order to deceive us. And I truly believe that the devil has to show us what's going on to some degree. Otherwise, it would just be an outright deception. And he is the father of deception. And he could deceive us all. He could be standing here in front of us and deceive us. We could think that he was actually Jesus Christ incarnate if he wanted to be. And also in the Bible, it talks about how uh, Satan is the father of light, and he's the father of the airways here on this earth. Because Adam gave dominion back over to the to Satan. So Jeff, at the garden when Jeff, because uh, I, I want to be able to get a lot of lot a lot of people in on this. Is it, are you are you linking this back around to the idea of locality? Because I don't I I want to be able to make sure that we get a lot of opinions in. So I, I'm asking about locality. I feel like we we will i think we will leave our earthly bodies here obviously the flesh well it our bodies aren't going to have blood we're, it, we're not going to have flesh and blood in heaven however we are going to have our bodies according to the, to the bible and again that's my basis for everything that i mean that's my foundation so okay based on what i know i believe that we go I, I'm, I'm thinking that we go back in that 30-year age range where that's kind of the, the prime of our lives. I think we're, we'll be in heaven with a, with a heavenly body, not a, not a flesh and blood body. But I do believe that we go to heaven, and it is a place, and it's outside of our time because God the Father looks at this our, our, our existence here like a parade from a blimp. He sees the beginning of the parade and the end of the parade all at one time. Okay. That's how he knows and how, I mean, that's how he can talk about things to come because he, it's already occurred in his realm. He's the creator of time. So he's oh. outside of that paradigm. So well, that's, I believe that we will be in heaven with bodies. And, and it's all going to be around that 30 years uh, thirty years old. I'll, I'll take that. Some other people wouldn't, though. Some people might have wanted well, a, 
I, I know that you, I know if any kind of malady you had would not be there. Some people might want a different face, though. You know, there's um, yeah, there's and we, that. And we might want them to too. Exactly. Some <laughs> people, are like, you know, I just, I just, I've looked at this face way too much. Can I have a new one? I can just let everybody know it's me in some way. But uh, anyway, thank you for the call, Jeff. I'm, 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 I'm happy with Thanks, that. Frank. Thank you. That was great. Also, remember, ladies and gentlemen, the idea of of generational slipping into generational nihilism. Uh, one, at least one anecdote, one topic we'll be discussing tomorrow. You know, I uh, that with with John Doyle is one that I was thinking about after I had seen this video. Maybe you, some of you had had it uh, suggested to you on YouTube or elsewhere in the last week or so, and it was this anesthesiologist who was talking about how he knows Generation Z just from his own work and from all of his other anesthesiologist colleagues, he knows that Generation Z is one of the loneliest, um, saddest generations out there because of how incredibly medicated they are. And he knows this. And I, you know, when this was started out, I thought that it was, okay, he's an anesthesiologist. He's going to talk about how you know, all these Gen Z kids are, are talking lonely and sad things when they're under the influence and that's something i didn't want to hear because if i ever have to go under some day god forbid for something I, I i you know i just don't want to have conversations with people like that and say something weird um but um but he's saying no that's that's not it uh, the real reason is that so many of them are on so many different drugs anxiety antipsychotics um, even if just, you know, recreational drugs, whatever the hell it is, there's so much pharmaceuticals, especially that are there to regulate mood and to help depression and all that other, all those other social kinds of, I don't know, you know the social situations everybody's trying to medicate themselves through that he has to constantly adjust and readjust all of their medications to keep them out properly and safely while they're having one procedure or another done. And you start thinking about the kind of, um, you know, the the things that are passed down from generation to generation and how each generation from, from baby boomers seems to be getting a little bit more fractured, a little bit softer, a little bit, uh, a little bit more um, frayed at the ends. And you can see how it's really, again, that snowball running downhill. And it started with all these countercultures that broke people away from social norms that are tried and true throughout every civilization as long as we've been able to study them. So um, when I hear someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger doing his thing, I figure I want to I know about what people are noticing in a general, you know, have, have, have people changed? I know that there are many people in this audience, especially from the boomer generation, that are far more devout than even I am. And I'm, because I'm just all, like I said, I, I talk about what I'm, what's going on in my life, but I am, uh, I never, I would never take away, I would never call all boomers agnostic or anything like that. Um, got a lot more skin in the game than I do. But there's something going on here. And that was definitely one of the first big, big generational targets for this kind of, uh, there's nothing else, there's nothing waiting for us, uh, fuck it all, we're just going to be bodies rotting in the earth, and, and that's it, and this fear of death, this fear, 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 
I mean, even in in ancient civilizations, pre-Christianity, there was a lot of there's there's these uh, these ways of 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 attaining a lot more of a healthy view of this this cycle and what we're doing and what we're meant to do. And even if they didn't believe in life after death, there was none of this. You can tell people are just running, running scared. I'm not comfortable with the idea of death, especially not now. I've got too much I want to do. But I hope that one day I will be totally content and actually uh, bring it on. That would be wonderful. Well, no, it won't. No, it won't. Because there's going to be a reason why I'm ready for it. And I don't, I don't want to know those reasons just yet. Anyway, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to take all of your, uh, more of your calls. And I'll, it'll be good. Don't go anywhere. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frank
well, I hope to see both of you on the Sunday streams and and in the book clubs. We are finishing up a wonderful book right now with uh, co-host Charlie Robinson. And then in August, we're going to have Lindsay Sharman on to read Devil in the White City. And that is all exclusive for people who sign up as a monthly subscriber across any of those those platforms listed on the Sponsor Us page on QuiteFrankly.tv. Um, a lot, of, a lot of interesting things I want to continue to do to create value for all of you subscribers, extra content, things like that. Especially now that I'll have my broad, another broadcast facility inside of my home office and not my basement, I will be able to do a lot of things. So um, more coming your way. Thank you for subscribing and sponsoring. Let's see. Uh, let's take another one. Hugh Jeddick says, I believe heaven and hell exist on the same plane as we exist now on earth. Depending on our karma, when we pass, we may be reborn into the easier life, heaven, or more difficult life, hell. Well, that's something that I've thought about. What if it is all just right here? We're talking frequency of light. If there's just bleed over. Suddenly we blink out in one place and we blink into another place. Uh, Stostube says, Frank, Franklies, Franciscans, great evening to all. Not much to say. Just wanted to ex uh, an excuse to say hi and support the show at the same time. All the best to you guys. Thank you. Troy Man says, hey, Frank, nothing much to say tonight. Just wanted to say hi. Hi to you. Very happy to have uh, seen you guys here in the Super Chats. I'm quite frankly, superchat.com. KT Sky D, who by all accounts is enjoying herself in South Carolina right now, says, since my grandparents and mother have passed, my faith has only grown stronger. It seems they're always with me, guiding me through life. I see them reaching out in every stray coin I find, every time I admire the sky and nature and in my dreams. Yeah, you know, it, 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 when we did the Crisis of Faith episode last year, which was really an amazing episode, it was based on a, it was based on a thread that I had found, I think, on GLP or somewhere, where a person was just like, "I'm going through the motions, I'm, uh, I, I don't really feel anything, all that other stuff, and I, whatever," and I, I really think that it's just about where a person is and what they're, what kind of work they're willing to put in. Um. If you keep running away, then how are you, how are you going to find it? I, I don't know. It has to be a mindset thing. And then it is also just anxiety. A 75-year-old uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger with all of his heart surgeries and valve replacements and the steroid use and all that stuff. I mean, it could just be nerves. It could just be nerves. You know that you're in the, the last phases of your life and, and you just don't know what's going on. Hell, I would... Uh, I know it's it's something I contemplate my mortality all the time. It's what keeps me humble, to be honest. Ken McNeil Music says, Love the Beatles. However, I think it's time for Sir Paul to take a long break. Thanks for the laughs, Frank. Better watch out. Better watch out what? What the hell was that? The threat at the end? What, the, what was that all about? Uh, let's see here. Pat Gray unleashed coin uh, the phrase snoob wagging, snoob waggling. Pat Gray unleashed coined the phrase snoob waggling. What's that about? I don't know. 
see, thank you, Sean Joe, C. Blanche, Bacon Slut, Chai Possum, Captain Flint. C. Blanche again says, Arnold, I've seen him pregnant before. Uh, he's messed up in my eyes. J. Jules says, Arnold wanting campus, uh, wa uh, wants camps for vax questioners. Yeah. Look at his family tree. Nothing Arnold says is for the good. I'm starting to think that. But for a while, he was a really good role model, and it's just weird. J. Jules says, Boomer here, more spiritual in my sphere, not less. Robert Sarn says, Baby Boomers are the first generation to live their lives in MK Ultra World. That, that's what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying that that has really trickled down to, to many of them, to all of them. But, um, but it, the, the liberation theology, new age stuff, all that stuff was targeted at boomers. And it really, um, it set its roots down there and they created different types of households for Gen X and millennials. So please understand, I'm not saying that all boomers are agnostic or anything like that. And we all collectively have a problem right now. Um, just like the greatest generation all they get is praise, but they elected FDR four times and that exploded the size of the federal government. I mean, th the greatest generation gave us four terms of FDR. You want to talk about communist infiltration, Soviet Bolshevik infiltration. So th listen, nobody is without their, no generation is without their, their faults. I mean, we're just trying to sift through history here and also talk a little social every once in a while um here is some on locality this is from where the hell is it from timothy alberino he said does the kingdom of heaven have locality if so where is it this first person walter white says jesus said his kingdom is not of this earth or world could it be another world or a planet the center of the universe perhaps this might be silly take but in the marvel movie thor asgard is a highly advanced kingdom that manages and oversees different realms just a thought brian rivera rivera says heaven was always considered the universe in ancient cultures so my take is that there are angels out there flying around between the stars uh the ancient hebrews didn't look at spiritual things as um as you know disconnected from the physical and i find it strange that believers don't see this option Let's see here. Iconoclast says the Bible rever uh, uh, reserves what is called third heaven to be their location of the temple at the heart of time and space. At the end of the book of Revelation, we see the heavenly Jerusalem appeared. So it, uh, it, def uh, it definitely moves. At least the temple does. Mark Hansen, yes, says, yes, the kingdom is not in four-dimensional space-time like our Earth, so its locality is not here. It's everywhere but here. Ah, everywhere but here. There's more in there. No locality. I understand the kingdom of heaven to be a state of consciousness. But a state of consciousness, when we talk about that, what happens to that consciousness after we die? Consciousness live on. There's a lot of science that, that, that points to consciousness living on. Or, you know, because then we start getting into the territory of, well, your state of mind creates your heaven or your hell, and then uh, that's it. Make, make best of your time. There's nothing afterwards. 
there are people who subscribe to that for the same reason. Let's see. Let's take a let's take a call from Mike. What's going on, Mike from Maryland? It's been a long time. How you been? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. So, well, what's going through your mind? I'm sure a lot. Yeah. So first on the, um, you know, the, the, the nihilism kind of thing. The, the way that it feels like to me, just you know, being in society and like watching all these people, kind of on autopilot. It, it feels like. You know, before a tsunami, how, like, all the animals, before the people realize what's going on, all the animals just, like, book it to yeah. higher ground? Yeah. It feels like we're all the animals, and we're in, like, panic mode. Like, we know something bad's going to happen, but then we look around, and, like, 80% of the animals are just sitting there. And I, I think that's what's causing a lot of, like, the, the isolation, too, is, like, we're seeing them, we know that they feel something is up. Everyone knows that everything is, everything totally sucks right now. Nobody's happy. And, you know, we kind of have to make a decision of like, well, are we going to stay there with those people and, you know, kind of validate their nihilism or are we going to leave? And it, it really feels like this moment of like the separation of the weed and the chafe, you know, and from a, a Christian perspective, this is something I think about a lot is like, you know, the morality of this. We know that most people go to hell, right? The path to heaven is narrow. Like everyone says that. And I, I feel like these, these people have just like given up, you know, all of us who are struggling with what's going on, there's this like internal battle every single day. Um, and I, I think for a lot of us, it's, you know, when you talk about being black-pilled or giving up, that's not really, it's not even really an, an option, I don't think, for us. Because well, it's like, what, what, what would that mean to give up, I, to go back and... I'll tell right. you, I'll tell you, Mike, when you say most people go to hell, that makes me want to give up. I mean, that's like, what's the, then I start thinking, well, shit, what's the stand? I mean, how, I, I mean, the, the standard, I, I mean, what, what I'm trying to think of what the hell am I doing? What, what is the average person, what is the average person doing to send them to hell? Perhaps they're ignorant. Perhaps they're not going to church, but are they, are they taking advantage of people around them? Are they committing the, 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 the most heinous of, of crimes? Are they robbing banks? Are they murdering? Most people aren't doing that. That, so when I hear something like that right off the bat, I'm, I, I, you know, when I hear of standards that seem almost impossible for humans to, to, to live up to, that in itself makes me feel like, oh, what the hell am I even doing? I, I don't think it's, um, you know, that, that people are actively participating in evil. I, I think it's that people are not actively pursuing the good. You know, they're just, they're, they're kind of lukewarm and they're, they're not, they're not applying themselves, all right? I mean, we know, like, ev everything that's worth having is worth fighting for. Every good thing you're going to you achieve, you have to work for in some way. And so many people just, they don't do that. They don't, they don't even try. You know, it, it's not like the, the majority of us who, who see what's going on in the world and we have a problem with it. We don't really have power to change it, but we spiritually resist it. And these people, they know that what's going on is wrong, and they don't spiritually resist it. They just try to get out of the way and, you know, do things to not 
not not feel that that spiritual angst. They have these coping mechanisms if it's drugs or if it's entertainment or something else to just pretend like these problems don't exist. I get you. I get I get you on that re- in, in that regard. I I understand what you're saying there. There is a lot of um, there is a lot of uh, capitulation to things that are so blatantly wrong. And, uh, and, 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 it's, uh, and the capitulation happens because of peer pressure, uh, above all things, about approval and, and, and really sacrificing what you know to be morally um, just for the, the reprehensible. I, I, I understand it. Hey, well, listen, we, we started off tonight about the, uh, the tit jiggling at the White House. I mean, that's, I mean that, that is just a sign of it. Just a little, a little bit of a, a side note on it. Um, as far as locality goes, you have a, you have a uh, comment on that before I take another call? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit on it before. It, it, I think heaven and hell probably are real places. Uh, we just, with, with our three-dimensional brains, we can't actually locate where they are. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's got to be on like another another plane. Interesting. A filtra- a dimensional filtration system, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always great to hear from you, Mike. Great call. Thank you. You bet, man. Great show. All right. Take care. There you go. That is Mike from Maryland. Um, here is a little something from Timothy Gordon. I prepared this over the break. Three minutes. Three minutes and change. Not quite four minutes. So uh, an average call. Here's what Timothy Gordon has to say about, I guess, nihilism and and the uh, the location of heaven. Obviously, this is going to be coming from a uh, traditional Roman Catholic standpoint. Yo, Frank, great topic you got going tonight. A couple quick thoughts. I just leave them by this voicemail here because uh, timing doesn't work out right. I, I haven't been able to get through. Firstly folks don't actually have their bodies you know, for, for a Roman Catholic until the second coming, the Perugia of, of Jesus. So that means that it means a lot of things that people don't realize. We don't have necessarily all our memories, even the souls in heaven, the souls of the blessed don't have all their memories. Their memories are phantasms that run with the body. So even though they're in the presence of God directly, it's a kind of spiritual presence, which is, as far as I am concerned, non-spatial. It can't be spatial until it's corporeal. And um, we'll only get our bodies back in heaven or in hell at the second coming for, for Roman Catholics. So the souls in hell that are being tormented, right now they're just being tormented, like the boomers always say, by the absence of God. Once they get their bodies back, they're going to be subject to hellfire, similar similar in heaven. Right now, the, the souls, the disembodied souls of the blessed are in the quote-unquote presence, in a non-spatial sense, of God. But And that's great. But um, they're actually going to get their bodies back, a heavenly body, at the second coming. And that will change things. And at that point, I imagine heaven becomes like a, a tangible spa, uh, spatial, maybe even spatio-temporal place, though the writings on this are not definitive. So things will change once um, the second coming happens. That's total, total new creation. 
when the earth passes away, heaven becomes more, quote-unquote, real. It'll become more bodily. Hell becomes more real. It becomes more bodily. With regard to the boomers and their total perfidy, their total lack of faith and agnosticism, it's rather staggering. They seem to be the most agnostic generation on record. Those who get faith tend to get it in a really perfunctory, half-assed way. You know, they, they gravitate towards something like New Age, which is not quite clear whether it's, you know, figurative or literal, what New Age talks about anyway, apart from being wrong. The ones who don't get faith, who, who stick with the agnosticism, I guess just go the Schwarzenegger way. And they say, hey, they like to say it in really crass ways, like you're just going to rot in the earth. No one, you won't get to commune with anyone. No one will see you. But, it, I mean, in some sense, the Schwarzeneggers of the world are being more honest and more true to form what they bequeathed the, the Gen X, the, you know, the younger generation they raised by staying true to what the way that they, they lived and the way that they raised that younger generation, which was as if you only live once and it's this bodily life and then you die. In some sense, the ones that half-ass their way into some sort of either nominal Christianity or just New Age or whatever, uh, you know, Mormonism or, or whatever, they, uh, they're being dishonest. I, I kind of acknowledge, I kind of admire the way that, that Arnie is being true to what, what a, a boomer really believes. Okay. I mean, if, if, if Timothy was on, there's several places that I would like to have stopped and asked some questions. And again, I also got, an e uh, I got a, uh, a text message him from, again, uh, from him again and saying he was so focused on the Arnold Schwarzenegger agnosticism that had been really embedded and, and given to that generation to go off and hand down to subsequent generations. It's not all, obviously, because here we are and... Uh, and not not everybody's is living that life and you know a lot of people have choices to make still very interesting about heaven and hell not being spatial but becoming more spatial becoming more spatial when we get our bodies back hmm boy you can go all over the place with this and this show is this is the kind of stuff i really like i really love thinking about this stuff Let's see. Um, let's see. Let's take a call from uh, Albert. What's going on, Albert? I always love this topic. Um, you know, the little kids, they, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds of them all over the place come back before they're, they're like four years old. And they, um, you know, they remember their past lives. There's like ones that come back. One of uh, the more famous ones is a little kid that was the uh, fighter pilot in World War II. He's still walking around. He's a teenager or in his early 20s now. There's people, there's little girl that came back. And I mean, these, this is all recent stuff. They yeah. came back and knew her husband, her children. We talked about uh, that fighter daughter. pilot, that fighter pilot kid when that, when that came out. Uh, years ago, we were talking about that on the show, and then I brought it. I dug it back up. I think uh, on a show with Matt here a couple of years ago. Th these are the, the Albert. I'm glad you bring it up because these are the things that always catch my ear. 
Um, it is, it's another just, I don't know. It's like, where, where does this come into play? What is the, well, what is the excuse? It's resilient too, right? I mean, it's resilient. It, this isn't a new phenomenon. I mean, this has been going on forever and ever. Mm-hmm. And then when we get back into like energy can't be, you know, destroyed or created, it can only be transformed. And Richard Martini made a movie called Flipside. That has like I think he documented like seven thousand. Don't quote me exactly, but it's a huge number of near-death experiences where people have actually been dead on the table um, and said that they went to wherever and there was like ethereal beings there um, and whatnot, and you know, and then they come back, you know, for whatever reason, and and they're here. So. I mean, the thing is, is if that's true, energy can't be, you know, destroyed or created. It can only be transformed. And if you want to put it in a biblical sense, you know, the firmament uh, being above us and enclosed area, um, nothing is lost there. And I think a a French tax guy proved that by having, by evaporating a specific amount of water in a contained area and was able to get it exactly back into that area so then you have to ask yourself the question if you're a if you're an ethereal being having a material experience then wouldn't this be heaven if that is the case then yeah then we're talking about an opportunity an opportunity and then then it becomes a little bit more like um what kind of a i don't know what kind of an echo are you creating? Yeah, what kind of a, a feedback loop are you creating to where it's either generational heaven or if things keep getting worse and worse and worse um, through culture, degrading culture and, and, and uh, you know, taking advantage of each other and violence and all that stuff, uh, debasing basic humanity, then, then you're talking about a feedback loop that can turn us into, you know, barbaric hell-ridden savages for for years but then again there's your closed system argument and and i don't know uh, you know albert thank you for the call i want to get it i'm almost off sure. air i'm almost off air here so i want to get more people on but albert brings up something that i'm glad that somebody did and i'm sure other people out there are trying to get through and talk about it but now we have another camp heard from those stories are i have a very hard time very hard time ignoring those stories about past lives past lives memories being expressed very vividly by children who should have no no business in recalling the things that they have with the detail names and places okay uh fighter squadrons call signs things like that um very very strange are you going to say that's the the work of the demonic uh what what is that so uh that that that's really 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 interesting so instead instead when you start thinking about any kind of a soul expression a soul coming back into the the mix here and almost like recycling through and having another shot and and doing something else where where does that fit in is there any place that that fits in if you, if it's too if if Christianity especially if we're to, since that has been like the main focus tonight is is completely out of the no there is no reincarnation then what is this what is that 
um, you know, uh, Timothy Gordon said that, what did he say in that, um, that thing? When he, was, when he was talking about we have no memories, that with our spirit bodies we have no memories, that our memories are not, they are, they, they are almost like attached to our remains. Something like he said that, something, something about that. Is it, is it possible that memories can just, then is that just a, an almost like a, a radio signal that somebody's memories can be picked up by a, a, new, a, a new soul being born? That it wasn't actually the old soul having another shot, but they're just picking up memories from some uh, disembodied, spe- I, you know, these are all, and unfortunately, all beyond our pay grade. Maybe we can keep digging into this. I mean, the phones are off the hook. Off the hook with the phone calls. But I got to get off. So, I don't know. But I, I, I love this this topic. It really is interesting. Carly Tebbs says, Christ isn't a man that once lived. He isn't just God. He is a realm into which our essence is translocated upon justification. The location of heaven is is the realm that is Christ. Let me check over here again. Larkstar says, Dear Frank, how do you do it all? Um, Heaven for me was getting a cool Rolling Stone postcard from you in the mail. Made my day. Love to all from an old timer who knows heaven and hell is on earth. Choose wisely, frankly, and make it count. Larkstar. She's part of the postcard club. I also send a lot of postcards out to people who just send nice cards in the to the PO box and things. I very rarely do just things in the the PO box go go completely unanswered. I'll even even I'll at least find an email, a little note, thank you letter, something. Um, I'm glad you like that. Stostube. Oh, that's an old one. So Lark threw her tooth cents in there. Average Joe Patriot says, cheers, Franks. Thank you for supporting the Average Joes. Oh, you got it. You got it, man. You got it. All right, let's take, uh, let's take one more call. Uh, William, what's going on? Hey, Frank. How you doing? I, good. How are you? Well, thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to know what heaven is. Uh, first, where, uh, where it book is. Club. Where it is. Locality. Uh, 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 more so where if there is locality to heaven I understand the concept I understand the concept of heaven but the the, the more pointed question is is there locality like would you be able to set coordinates whether we're talking about interdimensional coordinates whatever the hell that means or no it it have to be it have to be more interdimensional coordinates the only way that I can describe it to you is you did you ever watch Star Trek and I don't mean to bring in a show, but you ever watch Star Trek? Do you remember Q in the Next Generation? I, I've watched only a little bit of Next Generation. Well, if, if just just find one episode that's got Q when he opens up a veil. It's like it's like he splits the the scene and sticks his head through from where he is to where Picard is, and that's where God is. I mean, it's I'm, I'm not I'm not comparing Q to God. I'm I'm just saying that. It's it's not in a realm that we can touch here. It's uh, the only way to describe it is is a is another dimension. This universe that we live in is a 
is a uh, fish tank. It's a fish tank that God created, and he sits back and he's looking at this thing. If you've ever looked at a fish tank, from his perspective, he's looking at this universe like we would look at a fish tank full of fish, swimming around in the tank, feeding them and doing all this kind of stuff. But heaven is not a place that is tangible to us in our physical states that we are. Read a book by uh, a neurosurgeon who died and came back, uh, Eben Alexander. It's called Proof of Heaven. And you really need to read that book to understand what the afterlife is about because he explains it in great detail. Proof of Heaven. Okay. Uh, well, thank you, for the, thank you for the suggestion, and thank you for the input, William. All right. Well, thanks, Frank. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, yeah. Well, wonderful call. Very well, well spoken, and, and I'm, I hope you call in again. I will. All right. Take care. Uh, let's take another. Uh, you know what, what? I'm just going to do a couple more just because people are just wanting to get a stilato. You there? Hey, Frank. It's Vito. How are you? How, how are you, Vito? Good, thanks. So what's on your mind? Am I on yet? Oh, oh yeah, you're on. Yeah, we're, we're hanging out. We're doing our thing. Okay. I'm the guy who sent you the article about how... Uh, Capicola became Gabagool. Oh, yes. But, uh, yes, I the said. The reason I'm calling is I'm hearing a lot of talk about boomers, and I'm a boomer, I'm 70. And uh, you're talking about, and you and your callers are talking about boomers as if for one generation. And I always view my generation as two, two, two distinct generations within one, which makes us very similar to the Gen Z, the people I know in Gen Z. You, you for example. Roughly 50% of the boomers accepted the traditional values of our parents. We mm. believe in hard work. We believe in accountability. We believe in responsibility. Or the other 50% of the boomers went to college and didn't want grades. They wanted pass-fail. They don't accept responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault if something goes wrong. And I see the same of your generation. Mm. People such as yourself, you're responsible. You want to be held accountable. You're hardworking. You believe people who work hard should should deserve the the the, the rewards of their hard work. Where another half of your generation, the other half of your generation, are just a bunch of big goofos like half of my generation was. So the reason I'm calling is I'm, I wanted to make the point that really the, the, there's a lot of similarities between the boomers and the and the and your generation. In that we are really two and one. Oh, and uh, and, I, and I I, I love and I I'm I'm happy that you got through with that, uh, Vito, because I, I, I as I said before, there is really I uh, don't want anybody to be painted as all heroic and all uh, and all unaccountable or all uh, you know uh, having to bear all the responsibility. Because what what do we always do? We we always laud the greatest generation for just being living saints because they're they're the uh, the they're the, the the people we leaned on to get us through World War II. In the meantime, like I said, they they gave us four four uh, consecutive elections of FDR, who was, who essentially, I mean, the the acceleration of our death as a republic. That there was there was no one that outdid him. Uh, LBJ tried, um, but how can you really beat uh, FDR? And I. So I, I understand you. I understand you completely. Um, but I, and I I'm and I had to say this from a couple different couple different um, you know angles here tonight. It was really just about where was that that ball set in motion 
for us to end up where we are right now with this creeping nihilism that I, I did not see from any of the people prior to your parents that your parents that in a sense uh, in a uh, sense raised me along with my parents that uh, that kind of creeping nihilism I never saw from them they're always clinging closer and closer when they felt that their their lives were starting to go into the twilight years and um and 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 uh i hope that we can we can hit the reset on that because it's a lot better to live around people with hope instead of those who are just uh waiting for the grave you know well my parents the values that made that the greatest generation lived through me and people like me and you and we've got to continue that for this nation to continue to be the greatest nation in the world. It is, a, it is the unique American culture that when I was a kid, when I was in grammar school, we started getting indoctrinated with what we called back then the Protestant work ethic. And it was about hard work. It was about being able to enjoy the rewards of your hard work. It was about being a self-reliant adult, about, about being responsible and accountable for your own actions. And too many people today of all generations are rejecting those traditional values that have made America the greatest nation the world has ever seen. Well, Vito, thank you for for calling in, and uh, I really appreciate your input. I'm sure a lot of people do. Well, we love the show, Frank. Watch it every night. God bless you and your family. Thank you. Same to you. Same to you. Well, that... uh that's what we're leaving off on tonight because I'm already 10 minutes over and and that was I'm I'm glad I stuck it out until we got to veto. Wonderful calls all over the place. I'm sure that this is not going to leave everybody completely satisfied, but um the, it's it's too big of a topic to ever find satisfaction. So call in or write in quite frankly podcast@gmail.com. I want to hear what you have to say about this stuff. And as far as our badass of the night I have a little something for you, and it, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Who's our badass before we get going? Well, let's go find it out. That's some badass shit. Oh. It's pretty badass. It is. It is badass indeed. And who is it? Well, I'm going to introduce you to two badasses tonight. Their names are Port and Starboard. Port and Starboard. In 2015, a pair of orcas, that are the killer whales. Now, I know there's been a lot of news out there about killer whales that have been targeting boats off the, course of, off the coast of Portugal and Spain. But I'm going to tell you right now, these killer whales are something else. Port and starboard. They arrived in Cape Town, South Africa, and began hunting local sharks, surgically targeting their livers. The great whites fled causing a collapse in marine tourism, but it gets stranger. And here you go. This is from June 2022, a headline. Terrified great white sharks flee as two orcas develop a taste for their livers. A pair of male orcas nicknamed Port and Starboard have been hunting and slaughtering great white sharks, eating their livers and forcing their terrified, the terrified predators to flee. False Bay used to have hundreds of sharks, but by 2020, not a single one was spotted. Orcas dispatched dozens of great whites, uh, broad nose, seven gills, and copper sharks, each time a precision removal of their liver. It doesn't matter what it is. They were going right for their livers. Look at that. Look at that. 
Cy just cored out. In May 2022, the orcas seemed to be teaching other orcas how to hunt in this way. A group were caught on drone footage dispatching a great white in Mosel Bay. The unprecedented incident was written up in a journal. Look at this. You can see the shark had just had it. Then the orcas are like, me, me, me next. The pair's skill and taste for shark liver seemed insatiable. On one day alone, the duo killed 17 broad-nosed, seven-gill sharks. 17 of them. Chowing down only on their livers. Exactly what the long-term consequences of their predation will be is unclear. The orcas are taking advantage of the shark's vulnerability to be rammed from underneath which induces tonic immobility. They then rip off the pectoral fin and aim for the liver. I mean, it is just so, when they say surgical, it is, I mean, they are, they have studied the anatomy of the shark. They know exactly what they're doing and they're just completing a job. Look at this. Dr. Visser's extensive research reveals the way orcas work together to disorient it and then attack full grown sharks. Quote, when they come in after, They've debilitated a shark, whether that's a karate chop or a ramming. Then they tend to try to flip it upside down and that induces tonic immobility. And then the shark is basically becomes catatonic and it'll lie there, she explains in the film. And at that stage, the orca will come in and they'll typically grab it from a pectoral fin and they'll give it a good shake, viciously, violently, and very, very hard. And when you're underwater, you can actually hear the shark ripping. And it sounds like Velcro being ripped apart. Get out of here. And they're going for the liver. And that's the real thing they're targeting. It's the liver. In this house, we enjoy orcas and can't wait to see what the two of them will do next. That's what the stone-aged herbalist said about port and starboard. They have a taste for liver. They're coming for you. If you're a shark. All right. Well, I thank you all so much for the time tonight. I know it's a little bit, um, I mean, what, 15 minutes? Uh, Chai Possum says, Frank, been meaning to thank you for all the wonderful postcards with the awesome messages. Become a sponsor, y'all. Thank you. We're running out of postcard uh, openings, so you can go and sell those out if you like. That'd be wonderful. Uh, Miss Day 444 says, Hi, Frank, a great guest on the topic of heaven, transhumanism, and the false alien disclosure is Gigi Young. Check her out on Rumble and YouTube. I think you'd really like her perception. I appreciate it. Uh, Email me a link if you can. That always helps. Jenna from South Carolina, the kingdom of God and heaven are two different things. Jesus prayed, let thy kingdom come come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is anywhere God's authority is ruling. The book of Revelation describes heaven with many physical properties, though. Hmm. And Miss Day 444 sent me another wonderful super chat before, but no message, but I understand the love, the love. Thank you so much. Um, And that is it. That is it. So, um, what, uh, hold on. Apparently there's a Trump thing. Yes. 
I, I don't know. There's a Trump thing that's going on right now. Uh, go to quitefrankly.tv, and we are going to be streaming a Trump address or something that's happening at, at the moment. I think it might be a another rally. We're going to be streaming that at quitefrankly.tv. Get over there right now and enjoy the rest of the evening. You'll have more than enough time since it's 847. It probably starts at 9 or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm just getting an email right now about this, and the, the network is ready to jump all over it. So... Make your way over to quitefrankly.tv, hang out in the chat room with each other, talk about the day's events, enjoy the stream, and I will see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, the guest of honor is John Doyle, that should be another fun generational conversation, And, uh, and until then, you guys have been wonderful, thank you so much. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatters, starting with... Where the hell is everybody? Uh, Carly Trebs. Hugh Jaddick. It, uh, it rumbles so terrible with this. J-Dog 28. And over on Quite Frankly Podcast, or superchat.com. Midday 444. Jennifer from South Carolina. Larkstar 444. Stostube, Troy Man, KT Sky D, Ken McNeil Music. Thank you to everybody over on Foxhole, and we will see you in just a little bit. Don't go anywhere.